A couple of weeks ago, Paul Davis, who's the president of ABWE, a global missions organization, was on this stage doing this very thing. And he was telling us that there are 3.12 billion people in the world, 3.12 billion people in the world who don't have a church, don't know a Christian, don't have a Bible in their community. And that's why ABWE is striving to reach the world for the gospel. And he told us that if people were saved at this rate, one person per second, it would take a hundred years to reach them all. And they're probably not being saved at one per second. And then a couple of weeks ago, Pastor Michael Rubino from Long Island was here and he shared with us this, this idea that we are supposed to be the church. That the concept of, oh, we really want our church to be about this thing. Let's go hire someone and have them do it. Well, it's great to have leadership and point us in the right direction, but we are supposed to be the hands and feet of Christ. We are supposed to be the church. And remember, he shared with us that if you had a pastor who evangelized to a bunch of people, it would take them far longer to reach the lost than it would be if we just evangelized to one. We are supposed to be the church. And so welcome to Mission Sunday. My name is Josh. I get the joy of getting to open up God's word with you today. We're going to be in Joshua chapter three. I did not pick this book because that's my name. That would be super vain. Uh, I, th this book is because it gives us a really cool picture of what missions is. And so in just a minute, we'll have a chance to stand for the reading of God's word and look at that together. But I want to set the stage for you. So Mo everybody knows who Moses is, right? Moses is the guy who he talked to the burning bush and he led the people out of slavery in Egypt and he gave the Ten Commandments off of Mount Sinai and he hit a rock and water came out, all these amazing things. Moses has died, and now Joshua is the leader of Israel. Uh, that would be really hard to say, well, Moses has now died, and you're the guy. That would be really hard to fill those shoes. But that's what Joshua's been called by the Lord to do. And so they are at, they are on one side of the Jordan River. On the other side of the Jordan River is the promised land that you've heard about. And that's the land that God promised that they would take. Remember, they were stuck for a long, long time because of some of Moses' disobedience. And they're stuck there on this side of the Jordan. And Joshua is going to be the one that's going to lead them to the other side. And so that's where we find ourselves in this passage on crossing the Jordan in Joshua chapter three. So I'm gonna invite you to stand for the reading of God's word. It's how we show reverence and respect here. Um, this is gonna be parts of Joshua chapter three, not the whole thing. We condensed it a little bit just due to time today. So you remember the deal. I'll read most of it for you. You're welcome. And you just read the parts that are underlined, okay? So we'll read this together. At the end of three days, the officers went through the camp and commanded the people. As soon as you see the being carried by the Levitical priests, then you shall set out from your place. And then Joshua said to the people, and Joshua said to the priests, take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on before the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant and they went before the people. So when the people set out from their tents, to pass over the Jordan with the priests who were bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people. And as soon as those bearing the Ark had come as far as the Jordan and the... Now, the Jordan overflows all its banks throughout the time of harvest. And we'll come back to that church. The waters coming down from above stood 
and rose up in a heap very far away at Adam, the city that is beside Zarethan. And those flowing down toward the Sea of Arabah, the Salt Sea, were completely cut off, and the people passed over opposite Jericho. That's the word of the Lord. You may be seated. So really cool story um, about how Joshua is leading people to cross the Jordan River, very similar to the parting of the Red Sea type idea, right? The water stops, they cross over on dry land. But there's, a, there's several things we see here that connect really deeply to missions. So first of all, I want you to notice something. In the first part of chapter three, he says, giving orders to the people, when you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Now, you guys got some note. Uh, papers when you came in. Take notes because we're going to remove super fast. We only have about 15 minutes together. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. So let's pause there for a minute. The Ark of the Covenant is basically a box made covered in gold, and it was what housed the Ten Commandments. And so the Ten Commandments are in this box. It has a lid on the top. And on the lid, there are two angels. They call them cherubim that are also golden on the top. And God said, in between those angels on the lid of the Ark of the Covenant is where my presence will dwell. And so imagine that they, they are traveling in the desert for a long, long time, right? And they don't have a church like this. They have a giant tent. And so people hang out outside the tent to worship. Some people can go inside the tent. And then inside the tent, there's an inner, inner room called the Holy of Holies. And that's where the Ark of the Covenant is. That's where the presence of God dwells. You see this picture in your mind? So they come there to worship him. The kingdom of, of God, the people of God surround the tabernacle and the Ark of the Covenant. And that's where the presence and the glory of God dwells. When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God, you're to move out from your positions and follow it. So the thing that the people are following is they are physically, literally advancing the glory of God in the Ark of the Covenant. They are advancing the worship of God in the Ark of the Covenant. They're advancing the kingdom because they are the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is advancing. That is what missions is. Missions is advancing the kingdom of God and the glory of God and the worship of God. Missions is advancing the kingdom of God and the glory of God and the worship of God. That's what missions is. And that's exactly what's happening physically in this story. And so I want to unpack just about four different things I think we see in this chapter that will kind of color in some of this stuff about what it looks like to go on mission to advance the kingdom of God and the glory of God and the worship of God. The first is in uh, chapter three, verse four. Joshua says this, then you will know which way to go since you have not been this way before. So remember, they've been on this side of the Jordan. Now they're going to go to that side of the Jordan. They've never been over there before. Does that sound familiar if you go on a mission trip? I've never been to Romania before. I've never been down to Tampa to work at a children's home before. Sometimes when we go on mission, it means that God takes us ways that we haven't been before. So it's, it's very cool that two chapters before this, in the opening chapter of Joshua, God tells Joshua this thing three times. It's after Moses has died. He says, now you're going to be the leader. And he tells him something three times. And many of you will remember this. Three times he says to him, be strong and courageous and do not be afraid. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. And then twice he says, be strong and courageous and do not be afraid for the Lord your God will go with you wherever you go. 
So when missions takes us ways we haven't been before, we can be comforted because the Lord our God will go with us wherever we go. I think it's really cool that in Matthew 28, 19, so, so go back to Joshua 1. It is God the Father saying, I will go with you wherever you go, be strong and courageous. And then you fast forward to Matthew 28, 19. When Jesus is, he's, he's been here, he died, he resurrected, met with over 500 people, and now he's going back into heaven. And his final words to his disciples are, your disciples, now you go make more disciples and be encouraged, I will be with you now to the end of the age. So God the Father in Joshua 1 says, this is where I'm asking you to go. Be strong, courageous, because I'll be with you. God the Son in Matthew 28, 19 says, I will be with you. Is that cool? The Bible is so cohesive. He tells us that because he knows that when we go on mission, it takes us ways we haven't been before, but we should be strong and courageous. Here's the second thing we see. Verse eight, he says, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. I can't think of the last time I used the word consecrate in a sentence in my normal everyday life. We don't really use that word. What's it mean? It's like a spiritual preparation ceremony. So in effect, Joshua is saying, get ready, prepare yourselves because people don't know where they're going. They're going away. They haven't been before. They're about to follow the ark and cross the river. And Joshua says, oh, the Lord is going to do something amazing among you tomorrow. Guaranteed. When we go on mission, we should prepare to see the Lord do amazing things. And some of you are sitting here thinking, that's really cool that a nurse goes to a medical mission trip. And that's really cool that a person with IT experience goes and can help with IT. And how's God going to use me? I, I'm, you know, I've never read the Bible all the way through. I'm not sure I can go on a mission trip. I'm not ready to go on a mission trip. I've only been a Christian for like two or three months. It's not about your ability. It's about your availability. And the Bible tells us that his strength is made perfect in our weakness. So it's actually better that you go not under your own power, but under his. Be expectant that the Lord will do amazing things. Even when you think, man, I'm incapable. True. You are. So am I. But he's not. He's more than capable. So when we go on mission, we should prepare to see the Lord do amazing things. Then if we skip down to verse 15, this is the third thing we see. He, he throws out this very interesting comment. Now the Jordan is at flood stage all during harvest. Huh. He's telling about them crossing the river, super focused on the glory of the Lord and advancing the kingdom and all that stuff. Why does he tell us that the river is at flood stage? I think when we think of crossing a river, we think of like the Grand River. You know, you, uh, by the way, I probably wouldn't swim in the Grand River in Grand Rapids. It looks kind of gross. Um, but that's probably what we have in our mind, right? Or maybe the Grand River down at Grand Ravines, that's much nicer. At least it looks nicer. There's bald eagles, and there's trees, and there's nice walking paths, and there's a little covered bridge. And, oh, that's nice. I could swim across that river, that'd be nice. Well, the Jordan at flood stage was like a mile wide. And because it was flooded, the water's moving at about 40 miles an hour. So imagine yourselves as the Israelites standing on the bank of the Jordan. And Joshua says, we're going to follow the priests. They're going to carry this big heavy box through and we're going to go over there. And you're like, wow, how is that going to work? Because sometimes when we go on mission, there are challenges. 
But even in the challenges of being on mission, we can rely on God to advance his kingdom because it's not about our strength, it's about his. Even when we go on mission, we can expect God to advance his kingdom. And we know this because we look in John 1 when Jesus is described as the light of the world. And John says that the light has shined in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. He will advance his kingdom. He will. Mile-wide river or no mile-wide river. When you go, I can't afford to go on a mission trip, that doesn't matter. He'll make a way. When you say, I'm not sure I have the PTO to take off to go, doesn't matter. He'll make a way. I don't have any skills that I think could be used in the mission field. It doesn't matter. He's going to make a way. When you get over there and you go on a mission trip and there's a challenge that presents itself, he's going to advance his kingdom. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. And his strength is made perfect in our weakness. And then there's a fourth thing that we see here that's arguably one of the most important. It happens in verses 15 and 16, and it says this, Yet, as soon as their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing and piled up in a heap a great distance away. As soon as their feet touched the water's edge, they didn't sit back and wait and say, Well, as soon as God parts, the Jordan will cross. God said, That's where we're going. You're going to follow my glory and advance my kingdom. And if you trust me, you need to take a step of faith. The water of the Jordan River didn't part until they put their feet in it to show that they were trusting him. They had to take a step of faith. When we advance the kingdom of God on mission, it requires a step of faith. It means we won't always have all the answers. They're not standing there on the edge of the Jordan like, hey, did you get the itinerary? What hotel are we staying at tomorrow night? What time is lunch? They don't have any of these details. They have no idea what's going to happen over there. But it requires a step of faith. I think about Peter. When Peter stepped out of the boat, Jesus didn't say, let me explain to you, Peter, the physics of how this is going to work and surface tension of the water. That didn't happen. He said, if you trust me, you'll step out of the boat. And Peter had to step out in faith. The 12 who Jesus was discipling, the 12 apostles, there's multiple times where Jesus sends them out two by two, right? And there's one scene where he says, I'm going to send you out into these villages and you're going to heal and you're going to exercise demons out of people. Oh, and by the way, I'm not going to tell you what to say and you can't take a backpack with you. Basically, all they had was the clothes they were wearing and the sandals on their feet. But they had to take a step of faith and look how Jesus showed up. Look how the power of God showed up in those situations. Advancing the kingdom of God by going on mission requires a step of faith. So my question to you is, what is that step for you? Where is God leading you to go? Go wherever the spirit calls, wherever he is leading you to go. You follow his presence and his peace. When he calls you to go, do you actually expect to see him do amazing things? Will you rely on him when you face challenges? And then finally, what's the step of faith that you need to take? For some of you, the step of faith is signing up for a local mission trip. For some of you, the step of faith is to start praying for missionaries or praying as a family. God, where do you want us to go? That's putting your toe in the water. For some of you, it's time to go on like a, a, a global over the sea mission and really deepen your faith. Maybe take one of your kids with you. What a cool experience that would be. 
For some of you, you're like, you know what? I think my work is my mission field. And I'm not talking about, I'm going to be really nice and people will think I'm a Christian by the way I behave. I'm just going to tell you, my whole life I've only had one person who asked me that. I wear these bracelets all the time hoping people will ask and nobody asks. You know why? Because I have to open up my mouth. About eight years ago, I was sitting under this teaching at this church about this very section, putting your foot in the water. And that's when I knew in that season, God was calling me to the work I do, not to sell anything. I was called there to evangelize. I was on the phone with my wife and I was interviewing at a new company. And I said, babe, I think people, I think God wants me to come here because people here need to know about Jesus and he wants me to tell him, but I'm not that guy. That's exactly what he was calling me to. That's my mission field. Maybe that's what God's calling you to is a stronger, more unashamed uh, uh, stance at work. Instead of waiting for people to come to you, you ask them, do you have any spiritual beliefs? And you start conversations because that's your mission field. And if you get fired, that's fine. Maybe we'll be closer to something. We sing these songs here often about singing praises to him for eternity. There's 3.12 billion people that have not heard about that yet. And if the world ends today, they won't be singing with us for eternity. Holy, holy, holy are you, Lord God Almighty. And Paul writes in Romans 10, very, very convicting questions. He's talking about the unbelievers and he says, how, will, how then will they, the unbelievers, call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they've never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching to them? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? Church, where does the Lord want to send you? will you go? Will you go on mission to advance the kingdom of God, the glory of God, and the worship of God? Let's pray. Lord God Almighty, thank you for using us, broken vessels with all kinds of junk in our past, imperfect people, at times hypocritical, to be part of your mission to advance your kingdom and your glory and your worship to all the ends of the earth. I pray that today, if there's any heart in here that is hardened to that idea, that you will melt it. That if there are future missionaries in this room that are going to abandon all else and run headlong towards uh, a pursuit of, of evangelizing the nations, God, that you'd give them the courage to say yes. I pray that if there's people in here today who their next step, putting their foot in the water, means saying yes to something local or something in the U.S. or being more bold in their home or being more bold in their neighborhood or being more bold in their work. God, don't let us cop out. Let us step forward in radical obedience to whatever you're calling us to. That the world may know that there is a God in heaven who loves them. Pray all these things in Jesus' name.